You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. And I love being here on People on Purpose. I think it's such a cool series idea coming right into Easter because how many know this world needs some purpose? We need some purpose. How many know life is not that great if you don't have purpose? And so I always like kind of defining the, the, the theme when I'm speaking because I think sometimes it, it helps just to kind of gear everything up. So when I use to define things, I either use a dictionary, which is a good thing, um, or I'll try and think of whatever the opposite of that is. That's probably a good way to also define it. Sometimes looking at what the antithesis to something is, is a good way to see what actually something is, a little contrast. And so I figured purpose really is knowing where you're going. It's knowing where you're going. So the opposite of that is being really lost. And so this last weekend, uh, my wife and I were moving. And how many know moving and preaching on the same weekend? Just great idea, Alex. Way to really think that one through. No, it's all good. Uh, God's got this, and it's going to be awesome. But uh, we were moving, and every time I move to a new area, it's like I've got to get, I've got to really, like my Google Maps is my best friend. Like, I don't know where I'm going. And so when I, you know, I'm trying to learn this area, we just moved to like Poway, and I'm like, what, like, how do, you, how do you, what's this street? How do you get there? I'm always, when we're leaving the neighborhood, I'm like, babe, which way, is it right or is it left? She's like, it's left, come on, it's left. You gotta go left. And so I'm relearning because I, I'm out of, I'm not sure where I'm going. I'm unsure of where I'm going. And I remember when I first moved to San Diego, I'm from, like Pastor Michael said, I'm from Kentucky originally, grew up in San Luis Obispo, uh, California, which is just up the coast. And it's a real small town. And I'm not used to freeways and highways. And I used to just drive three minutes down the street to a Trader Joe's or to a grocery store. And that was it. And so the only time you were getting on a freeway was if you were like leaving town. And so I moved to San Diego five years ago, six years ago. And I look up, I'm like, where, where is the grocery store? Cause I moved over here kind of in East County when I first, uh, and, and it was like, you've got to get on a freeway. And I'm like, Google, where are you taking me? I'm not leaving San Diego. It's like, no, San Diego needs you to get on a freeway because this place is so big. So I was out of sorts. I was, I did not know where I was going. And I remember even this one time, so I was like pretty lost there, but then I figured it out. You know, you get acclimated, you figure it out. And then I remember this one time when I was growing up and my friend and I went to Bakersfield. Anybody here from Bakersfield? Yeah, come on, praise God, 661, right, area code? Um, I don't go there all the time. But when I did, I remember we went and it was a buddy of mine, it was our first time going out there to visit some friends. And we decided, yeah, we'll just come back that night. We won't stay the night, we'll just come back. And that was a really, really bad idea because I didn't know where I was going. And this GPS on my phone, Google Maps, takes me and I'm, I'm looking for a gas station because I'm running out of gas. And it's like 11 at night, I'm in Bakersfield, anything can happen. And not in a good way. Anything can happen and not in a good way. And so I'm driving and then all of a sudden it's like I drive up where the gas station should be and guess what? No gas station. So when your GPS is out of sync, when it's not lined up properly, when it's not telling you the right way to go, you end up lost. And so I was really lost. We ended up stranded, basically. Thank God for the, whoever decided we should put call boxes in the middle of random, free, I was on the 58, middle of nowhere, ran out of gas, and my cell phone wasn't working. And so, thank God, there was this call box we called AAA, praise God for AAA. And they came and got us. But I found that if my GPS isn't working, if I don't know where I'm going, it can get real dangerous real quick. And so, that's what I wanna talk about today is 
getting lost because no one ever sets out to get lost. It's not like that night my friend and I were like, yo, let's just go get lost. Like there's some songs that say, let's get like country song. I love country, but that's no one, you don't want to get lost. Like lost is not good. And yet there are so many people that are lost. Maybe some of you today feel lost. You feel like I don't actually know where I'm going. And maybe it's like the stage where I was where you're like, I know I'm in this general area, but I don't know specifically where I'm going. Maybe you feel like I was when I was on, in Bakersfield and you're like, I am completely lost and I feel like it could end at any moment. Well, I'm here to tell you, God has a plan for your life and no one intends to get lost. And I was at the barbershop yesterday. I love that we have the best salon in San Diego here, Hot Seat Salon. And then there's a, there's a guy by the name of Lee Brown who goes to our church. He attends um, our Bressy Ranch campus. He owns, I, I believe, the best barbershop um, in, our, in our city. So I love that in our church, we got the best salon, we got the best barbershop. And so I was there yesterday, and I don't know if, if any of you have like a preference of, oh, I go to this person to get my hair done, or when I go to Hot Seat, this is who I go to. But I always go to this one guy in my barbershop. But of course, you know, moving weekend, I totally forgot to schedule an appointment. My hair was like crazy. I'm like, babe, I can't go. I can't go to East County looking like this. They'll, they'll kick me out before I even get in. And so I, I text Lee, I text my buddy. I'm like, hey man, I need an appointment. And so he, he, he's like, oh, I got this new person. She's awesome. She'll get it done. I'm like, okay, man, like I'm trusting you with a lot right here. Like this, <laughs> okay. But he's, he's never let me down. So I went there and I sit down and I start talking to this girl because, you know, I mean, Heather, you know, like when you're in the seat, you're just in a seat. And so I'm like, I got 40 minutes to talk to this person, whether, you know, they're going to like it or not. So I'm going to talk to him and I'm probably going to bring up the church. I'm probably going to bring up um, my story. And so funny enough, Lee comes up to me and he's the owner of the shop. So he comes up and he starts talking. He's like, hey, so you're preaching at East tomorrow? Because I told him, hey, I got to get cleaned up. Like, I really got to get cleaned up. And, uh, and, and so she laughs. She laughs out loud. Like, ha, ha, ha. Like, we're joking. Because, you know, she doesn't, I don't think she necessarily knows Lee's like, you know, at church all the time or that I'm like, you know, I'm a pat, whatever. And so we're sitting there and she's laughing. And then, so I just keep talking to Lee. And then afterwards, she's like, so you guys go to church together? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we go to church. And she's like, so what's that called? And I'm like, oh, it's called, you know, it's called Awaken Church. It used to be called C3. And she's like, well, after I cut your hair, do you mind getting me the info for that? Because, you know, I've been, I've been lately I've just been feeling lost. I've been feeling like I don't know what, I, I just, I feel like I need to know God and I don't know him. I grew up Catholic and, and so I, but I've lost my way in my early 20s. I just started, you know, doing the party thing. And it was like, it was almost like the exact same story that I had, um, but now she was finally coming to a place of realizing I am lost. I didn't intend to get lost, but my GPS, the way that I thought, the way that I thought my life was gonna work, the way that I li- thought life was supposed to work, took me to a place where I feel broken. And so at the end of the whole thing, um, she basically got the information to come church. She's gonna come next week. And I'm believing God that she's gonna get saved, planted, flourishing. But people are all around us and their, ne- their, their intention is never to get lost. And it's a picture of our culture today. I think, I think the story of that girl was a picture of our culture today. So many people trying so many different things and ways to find fulfillment. It's almost like the culture is so lost. It, it has no way, it, it has too many ways to go and so it doesn't know where to go. And so actually there's a song that just came out by Hillsong Young and Free that I think really paints this picture of what the culture is feeling today and what we can take to heart as believers that there is a way. And so if we could cue that song, Shelly, whenever you're ready. Just listen up. 
I want you to listen to the lyrics. It's a cool jam. You guys can, like, do this if you want. I don't want to be on my phone, but I can't be alone. Welcome to the modern way. I'm trying to be somebody I'm not, but it's not what I want. And tell me there's another way. All of the lights are chasing nothing. of our generation is I want the real thing. It's I'm trying to be somebody I'm not, but it's not what I want. Tell me there's another way. All of the lights I chased are now faded. All the cheap thrills were only time wasted. Tell me why society's plan should define who I am. Tell me there's a higher way. Surely there's a higher way. And there's all over Instagram, all over Facebook, all over any social media you see, everyone feels like they've got the secret to success. Everyone feels like they've got the way, they've got this, they've got that. So how do you live a life of purpose, destiny, and fulfillment when the world's giving you 75 million ways on how to achieve it? The good news is this. Jesus has already decided the way because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Proverbs 19.21 says this. Many are the plans in a person's heart but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. The good news is it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how you mess up. It doesn't matter what plan you're on. God's purpose for your life is gonna prevail because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And that's something we can shout about for three seconds and thank God. If we choose to submit our lives to God's promises for purpose, we cannot lose. So I want you to tell seven people. You might have to get up, but you, I want you to tell seven people, look up. I want you to tell seven people, look up, look up, look up, look up. You can shout to somebody, but I want you to say, look up to seven people. All right. I think y'all did nine or ten. I like the overachieving. Look up. I'm looking up. The reason I want you to do that is because the title of this message is Surely There's a Higher Way. Surely There's a Higher Way. So in the next few minutes, I wanted to talk about the story of Moses because I believe through his story, we're actually going to see God's process for purpose unveiled. And, and I really like Moses' story because it's in the Old Testament and I did grow up Jewish, so I'm naturally lenient towards, towards kind of learning and, and, and diving into that. But on the other side, what's cool about the Old Testament, if you'll find, is that it's what's true in the physical is true in the spiritual. And so the Old Testament is a picture of what is true in the spiritual, but it takes place in the physical. So we're going to take a look at Moses, a life of purpose, but it always wasn't, it wasn't always that way. I mean, most of us think of Moses like He's the dude that got them through the Red Sea, delivered a million, two million Israelites out of slavery. What a boss. But it wasn't always like that. That was the last 40 years of his life, but he lived for 120 years. So what happened the first 80? We're going to take a look at that. So 
Moses was born in a time when the Pharaoh of Egypt was so scared that the people of God were actually gonna overtake Egypt that he was killing every newborn male that was born. And so he wasn't supposed to be born. He wasn't even supposed to be alive. And his mom took him and sent him down the Nile River. And so someone who wasn't supposed to be, because the devil only tries to destroy what can destroy him. So the very evidence that God is working in your life right now is the fact that you might be facing something, is the fact that that diagnosis may not look so good, is the fact that the bank statements don't read what you want it to, is the fact that things might not be going how you planned. But remember, God has overcome. And so he wasn't supposed to be alive, but you see, God sent a seed to deliver his people. You see, she sent, the, she sent Moses down the river when he was a few months old, and he ended up at the palace. So God had to infiltrate the palace by sending a seed. In the very same way, Jesus was sent as a seed into the world to overcome the world. You see, a seed sent on purpose for a purpose. You are a seed sent on purpose for a purpose. A farmer never plants a seed and doesn't have an intention for it. You were not created without purpose. There is no way on this planet that you were created without a purpose. And then he grew up in the palace. So, you know, Moses grew up basically as one of, because Pharaoh's, uh, I believe it was his daughter, adopted him. And so he basically became like one of the elite, one of the princes. He became royalty immediately. And so he grew up and experienced everything. Like living in a palace in Egypt was probably as close to um, having unlimited funding, having unlimited fun. Like, because Egypt is symbolic of the world. So it's basically Vegas times a million, if you can imagine that, because it was the greatest empire on the planet at that time. So anything he wanted, he could have had. Anything he could have wanted, he could have had. And I'm sure that he did. It's like that story. It's like that song. He had all of the things. He, had, he chased all the lights. He chased everything. But at some point, he realized this isn't fulfilling me. At some point, he wandered for so long, for 40 years. It, was, it, it took 40 years until the place where he actually realized, you know, my life isn't in the palace. My purpose is not in the palace. My purpose is not in the palace. Some of you, that's a word today. You've been chasing things that God is, he's not in those things. You've been chasing things for things sake, but God is okay with you having things, just not them having you. As long as people are on the other side of your purpose, you're gonna be okay. And so he knew something was missing. And at some point, like I said, we all stop trying to chase the stuff because we realize we're trying to fill a hole that can't be filled from the outside in. It's why we see celebrities killing themselves almost it seems like every month because they're getting to the place they thought that would always fulfill them. And then it's almost like they're more empty than they've ever been. He had a Matthew 6, revelation, which is seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. He had a moment. And I think we all have this moment. And I don't know if you've had this moment yet for yourself, but I had it about five years ago because I came down to San Diego. I basically took $100,000 of my inheritance when I was 20 years old. And I think I've told this story last time I was here, but I came when I was like 20 years old, 100, 100 Jesus, like that's a grit. Like you can do some stuff with that. And I wasn't saved. So like, I was like, it's time to get crazy. And so I traveled the world. I went to Vegas. I did all kinds of stuff, drugs, alcohol, all stuff that like I chased the lights. 
I chased the things from the outside in I thought were gonna fulfill me, yet every day I became more depressed, I became more lonely, and I became more anxious. And I realized that those things that I was chasing, the GPS that I was on, that I, the plan I had for my life was not working one bit. And so it took one guy who I looked up to in my life and he invited me, he just came from a merge conference and he got just, he, he, he basically was like, I'm gonna invite every heathen I know. And so I was, I was probably number two on the list. And so he hit me up and my buddy and we, you know, I showed up to church in Catholic mass clothes because that's all I knew. And, uh, and I got saved uh, March 29th, 2015. So it was almost five years ago. But yeah, that's pretty cool. And, uh, and so I'm thankful because I had that moment but we all need to have that moment. And some of you might be here today, you're like, I'm saved, but I, I haven't had that moment yet. I keep seeking these things. I keep seeking these toys. I keep going after the accolades, the, all this stuff. But God's actually saying, I have a purpose for you. And it may look a little bit different, but it's actually the thing that's gonna fulfill you. But I actually felt like my gift, like me blowing all that money was actually a gift from God. It took a while to get there because that hurts, you know, especially, you know, you're like, wow, I could, I know a lot of things I could do with that hundred grand now, like that are a lot more purposeful, but hey, it is what it is. God restores. But I, I just realized, you know, it was probably a year or two ago. I realized, hey, this was actually a gift because I, within a year and a half, that's how long it took me to blow the money pretty quick. But um, I realized within that time, I realized none of the stuff, none of the stuff that the world tells you will fulfill you can None of it. And so I'm actually grateful because I didn't spend the next 20 years of my life. Moses, it took him 40 years in the palace to realize there is no level, there is no dream car, there is no house, there is no trip, there is nothing that will fulfill you outside of the purpose that God has for you because it's not in the palace, it's in the people. It's not in the palace, it's in the people. And so we see Moses finally at 40 years old coming out of the palace and trying to do something because he was stirred up. He's like, I got to do something for people. And so we see in, uh, in Exodus, he comes out and he sees the burdens of the people, of his Hebrews, because those are actually his, his brethren is what it calls it. You know, it's a funny word, but his brethren, like his bros, those were his people in slavery, in bondage. And so he saw what stirred him, but he tried to do it without God. See, you might know and you might feel stirred up about people or about something or about someone, but it's, it's this stirring up. And if you do something without God, if you don't submit to God's process for it, you'll end up ruining the whole thing and having to restart. And so we see in Exodus 2, verse 11, we're gonna pick up there in the scripture. So it says, now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, so he was 40 years old, he was grown, grown man, that he went out to his brethren, told you right there, and looked at their burdens because it's the burdens that, it's, it's other people's burdens that stir you to the purpose of God. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren, there it is again. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting and he said, to the one who did it wrong, why are you striking your companion? And then he said, who made you prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian and he sat down by a well. You see, I found that secrets and shortcuts never 
equal the purpose of God fulfilled in your life. When you try and do things without him, when you try and fix things from the outside in, with, rather than submitting to his process, it'll always turn out scared, running, and hiding. And there was this quote by this monk that I read the other day that I thought was really powerful. It was basically, uh, it was on his tombstone. It was from like 1000 AD, so it was a little while ago, but he said, <laughs> yeah, it is a little while ago, right? Yeah. Um, and so he said, I wanted to change the world, but one day I realized I couldn't change the world, and so I tried to change my country. Then I realized I couldn't change my country, and so I tried to change my community. And one day I realized I couldn't change my community, so I'm gonna change my family. And when I realized I couldn't change my family, I realized the only person I could change was myself. And he said, it wasn't until I was an older man. You see, it's good to recognize things earlier than later, but it's never too late when you've got the purpose of God behind you. He said, I wish I knew earlier, but if I would have just changed myself, I would have changed my family. And if I would have just changed my family, we probably would have changed our community, our city. And if we would have just changed our city, we probably could have changed our country. And we, if we could have changed our country, we could have changed the world. What if you felt resistance to your purpose, not because the devil was against you, but because you've been trying to accomplish your purpose from the outside in rather than the inside out? You see, I found that we have two options when it comes to purpose. We can either butt our heads trying to fulfill our purpose from the outside in like Moses did. He saw the problem. He wanted to change it right then and there, but he didn't submit to God's process. Or we can surrender to God's process, which is surrendering to a lifestyle of serving, which is coming under authority, which is learning to change myself and then change inside out. So Moses, after trying the wrong way, finally tried the right way, and he chose the best option. He surrendered to God's process for purpose. So we're going to pick up in Exodus 2, verse 16. It said, now the priests of Midian had seven daughters. So remember, Moses went and sat down by a well. He fled to Midian. Now, Midian, funny enough, you look it up, if you do a little study, word study on it, actually means covering. So Moses tried to do something outside of covering. There is a supernatural covering over Awakened Church. There is a supernatural covering over Pastor Michael and Lisa, over your campus. You see, when you come undercover, the wind of God is behind you. When you do things outside of covering, outside of honor, outside of the kingdom, outside of covering, you'll find that you have to now hold everything up. When it's before the covering holds it up. And so Moses actually fled to covering. He fled to Midian. He fled to covering. And so the priests of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water and they filled their troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to Ruel, their father said, how is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. Moses served them. He came undercover and he served them. So he said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. 
Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Sephora his daughter to Moses, and she bore him a son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. You see, the door that unlocks purpose is serving undercover. Is serving undercover. The moment that we stop trying to microwave what God is trying to slow cook is the moment that we set our life up for purpose, for success, for greatness rather than a fleeting moment of success. You see, Moses killed that Egyptian. He had a fleeting moment of success, but it wasn't lasting. If you want something that lasts, get undercover and begin serving. God wants us to carry purpose, not be crushed by it. You see, Moses wasn't ready to carry the purpose that God had for him when he first tried to do it by himself. He needed to go through the processing of God. The Bible says, if you cannot be faithful with what is another man's, why should you be trusted with your own? Some of you, all you need to do, you need to stay undercover. You need to begin serving and you need to find someone's vision. You need to find under Pastor Michael and Lisa and say, hey, what, what can I do? How can I serve? Some of them, some of you, that, they might say, hey, I need you to go and get your business to a million dollars. Some of you, they might say, hey, I need you in kids church. Hey, some of you, I need you to go be an influence. That could be any one of you, but it's getting undercover and begin serving. It'll unlock doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. You see, when we try and change the world from the outside in, we have to make it happen on our own strength. But when we submit to God's process, it's up to him. And we develop it from the inside out. You see, the second thing that happened was purpose is revealed in God's presence. So Moses encountered, we all know the burning bush story. Once Moses had developed a lifestyle of serving, this is 40 years of faithfulness. This is 40 years of him tending sheep. This is 40 years of him submitted to another man's vision, trusting that God was gonna bring promotion. God revealed Moses' purpose and called him to it. So in Exodus 3, verse 1 is where we're going to pick up. It said, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. He was doing that for 40 years. You see, you may, not, you may feel like you're in a bit of a monotonous state, like you've been serving, you've been doing this thing over and over and over, but God is actually going to call you in the middle of the monotony. God is gonna call you in the middle of the ordinary. God is gonna call you into a place of extraordinary from something that's very, very ordinary, but you gotta trust him. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. That's crazy. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. That's just a funny line. It's funny. So when the Lord said that he turned to him, turned to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Availability is a really powerful thing. If you're too busy for what God has for you, then you are getting lost real quick. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. The place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse seven, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down. 
When we submit to God's process, it's not you going up to God, it's God coming down to you and getting behind you so he can actually do the very thing that you've had in your heart to do, to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to a land, a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jezusites, Jebusites, everybodyites. And now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you. Have you been sent? In your purpose, it's best to be sent. Out of faithfulness to what is another person's vision, it is best to be sent. It is not as good to leave and do things on your own. If you want God behind you, be sent. And so Moses said to God, the very thing that Moses ached to do was free his people. But he said, you know, it's obviously not the right time. This isn't the right way. I've got to to come undercover. I've got to begin serving. And I'm just going to trust that when God's time is God's time. You see, he came to a place of, if this doesn't even happen, I don't even know if it's going to happen. I believe some people here today, you're even questioning. You've You've been faithfully serving for so long, and you're not even sure that God still has a plan for you to own your own business. God, you're not even sure that God still has a plan for you to own a home. You're not even sure because it's been so long, but I'm here to tell you that God is faithful. In his time, in his way, God is gonna promote you to places that you could not have come on your own. And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You see, he was coming from a place of insecurity. He was coming from a place of, I remember how this went last time. I remember it didn't go that well. But the word of the Lord to him and the same to you is, it's gonna be different this time. I know you tried it by yourself last time, but you've been faithful. I am with you. I will do the very thing that you couldn't do by yourself. God is with you as you're faithful and when he sends you. So he said, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. You see, when we come to the place of exchange, when you come into the presence of God, it's a place of exchange, it's a place of my insufficiency. God, I can't do this without you for his all sufficiency. And you cannot leave the presence of God with the purpose of God until you exchange your insufficiency. It's okay to acknowledge like Moses did, but at some point you got to say, if God is with me, who or what could be against me? It doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't matter what demon in hell tries to come against me. It doesn't matter what people say. If he is for me, nothing can stop me. And so God will always call you for people not for the palace. Purpose is always about people. And so once we've done our part, once we've submitted to the process, once we've come to the place of recognizing our insufficiency for his all sufficiency and God calls us, we've got to trust that God will do his part. And that's probably one of the scariest parts because one part is about what you can do and the other part is about trusting God that he's actually gonna do what he said he was gonna do. And it's a stepping out of faith that produces the miracles of God. You see, Moses finally decided, yeah, I'll go, but I need you to send Aaron. I need you to send him with me. I need, I need somebody else. I got to do this together. It's good to do things together with other people that believe in God with you. And so they come and they're with Pharaoh. And then he's like, let my people go. We all know how this goes. Let my people go. He says, no. And so God's like, all right, plague time. Let's do this thing. And so... And that's where, that's where the supernatural comes in. God will do things that you couldn't even believe to make the door open for you. And so one plague, 
you would have thought, oh, for sure, let him go. Nah. <laughs> Second plague, nah. Third plague, nah. Fourth plague, nah. Remember, Moses didn't know how many plagues it was going to take. Fifth plague, no. Sixth plague, it's not looking that promising. Even when God is with you, there might be a moment where you begin to doubt, did God really say? Is he really with me? How is this? Are you even, God, are you even, is this? But God had a plan. Someone say God had a plan. You see, what if the reason the odds looked so stacked against you was because God was raising up the very thing that you're facing so he could defeat it. Exodus 9, 16. So this is after the sixth plague. Like, come on, God. Like, let's, let's just get this thing done with. I'm tired of like water turning to blood and fleas and all this. Like, let's just get this thing done. God said after the sixth plague, but indeed for this purpose, I have raised you up. He's talking to Pharaoh. For I, ha- I have raised you up. God is raising up the very thing that is trying to take you out because he wants to be the one that gets the glory for taking it out. That I may show my power in you and that by my name be declared in all the earth. I wonder if God let Goliath taunt the Israelites for 40 days and 40 nights so that when David came slinging, God got all the more glory. You see, it's already done. Some of y'all, all you need to do is start praising God. All you need to do is start shouting because God has already given you the victory. Even though it doesn't look good, even though the odds look stacked in your favor, God may be elevating the very thing so he can take it out and so you can elevate your faith in him and say, God, I knew you were gonna do it the whole time. Even though that one time I wasn't so sure, but God, you are able. God, you are able. God, you are able. God, you are able. If he did it then, he'll do it again. If he did it then, he'll do it again. Some of you, all you need to look back is look at the testimony. The Bible says that it's in the power of the blood and the word of our testimony that we overcome. Some of you, all you need to do is look back to the last God story. That's why men's and women's prayer is one of the most important things you could do with your life because you can go back and I remember. I go back and I remember. If God got me through this, he can get me through this. If God got me through this, he can get me through this. People will say only God when they see you from the other side of the Red Sea. And that's the important part that God gets glorified. And so that's exactly what happened. Moses got them out, 10 10 plagues, took them 10. It's crazy. 10 plagues. Finally, they got let out, got through the Red Sea, and then what should have taken 11 days to get to the promised land actually took 40 years. And this is a really important part, a really important piece. The last piece of this process is once you fulfill a chapter of purpose, remember and repeat the cycle. You see, Moses didn't get to the promised land. Moses accomplished a level of purpose. And I believe there are some people here, you have accomplished a level of purpose in your life. You feel I'm on purpose. All this stuff is true, blah, blah, blah. But you're maybe, you've maybe come to a place of plateau. You maybe have come to a place of settling. And maybe, and maybe it's, it's a comfortability, whatever it is. But if you wanna get to the promised land, you've gotta remember and repeat the cycle. Moses forgot the cycle. Eventually Moses hit a rock twice that God told him to speak to. And it was the very thing that God said, now you will not enter the promised land. You see, 
faithfully serving, engaging his presence and trusting God to do his part is where Moses messed up. So as you elevate, as God promotes, remember and repeat the cycle so you can enter the promised land. We never graduate from serving. We do go from glory to glory to glory, but the process doesn't change. And it gets dangerous when you think that you're too good for that step. So remember and repeat the cycle. If God is for you, who or what could be against you? The purpose of God for your life is coming to pass in its season. And so I wanna take this last moment, I wanna pray for two different groups of people so if everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes. So the first, the first group of people I wanna pray for is those of you who, if you really asked yourself and you got with your soul and you said, am I in relationship with God? Maybe you're like, you know, the woman that cut my hair the other day and, and, and you're saying, I, I once grew up religious or I've been to church, but I don't, I don't have a relationship with God. Friend, the best thing you can do today is do what I did five years ago and say yes to the invitation Jesus has for you. Because the Bible says that he came to bring life and life more abundantly. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish and would have eternal life. Some of you today, you just need to lift your hand and say, I, I am choosing to begin a relationship with Jesus because I know that the best of my life is on the other side of that decision. And some of you have never done that, but some of you, maybe you've done it before, but you ran away, fall away, walked away, whatever the case is. And you're saying, I need to get, I need to get back in right relationship with God because I know he is the way. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.